No. What's your least favorite scary movie? Welcome to What's Your Least Favorite Scary Movie, the podcast where we talk about our least favorite aspects and most debatable opinions of our most favorite scary movies. We fight over our favorites. My name's Jesse. My name is Travis. And today we are continuing our Cabin in the Woods summer with the OG Cabin in the Woods movie franchise. <laughs> uh, Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. Our continu- continuation of our Friday the 13th series. Uh, we are going to be continuing our Nightmare on Elm Street coverage on our Patreon. Um, we're just working on scheduling our guests for the second um, installment. So. Yeah, I got to have some friends over for that one. Yeah, so th- but this was your first time watching this Friday the 13th, right? Or you at least you think so? I don't remember if I've ever seen it before or not. I feel like I've seen all of the Friday the 13th movies, but yeah. if I've seen this one, it's been a long-ass time. I thought that you had. I thought that we watched it a long time ago. No. But, uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah. Longer than 10 years since I've last seen this. Okay, then yeah. It, I, don't know, I guess we haven't watched it together. But whatever. So yeah, Friday the 13th, part six, Jason lives. So we are back to Jason being the uh, the villain, the slasher villain in this one. Thank uh, God. Yeah. It, it's kind of nice to have um, have him back in this one because it allows them to kind of take the series in a more ridiculous turn after this one. I, I really enjoyed this movie, and I'm really excited for where the series is about to go. Yeah. Um. It had been a while since I watched this one, and I had completely forgotten how much I liked it. Um, it's just nice. I don't know. It's just fun. It you is. can tell that it it's was designed yeah. purely to have fun with the with the genre, with the series, with everything. So yeah, the uh, the director Tom McLaughlin, 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 um, he had only ever he was asked to write and direct the sixth installment. He had only ever seen the first one, so Universal brought him in and basically gave him his own private Friday the 13th uh, marathon viewing. Yeah. And so he was kind of going into it with that whole like marathon perspective of how he was going to write the next one, how he was going to bring Jason back, what he was going to do to make the series special, and he really wanted to give it some humor, and I think he did a good job. His only rule was he was not allowed to make Jason funny, and I don't think he did. I think He said I- that they can't make fun of Jason. You can't pick on Jason. Um even though that's kind of how the whole franchise started was people picking on Jason, but you know, it's um, it's fun. You can tell that um, he uh, I don't know he kind of brought some life into the franchise. Even though this one performed the worst out of all of them, I don't get it. I feel like this one was just such a. It's probably besides four my favorite of them so far. Yeah, I think so. Uh, same for me, actually. I used to it was two that was below four for me, but after watching this one again, I'm like, wow, this one is actually really fun to watch. Um, but yeah, this one, um, I don't know, maybe it was something to do with, you know, fatigue. I mean, this is like the sixth year in a row. Well, there was one year without it, but um, I don't know. They'd been kind of going, this is their sixth entry, and you know, less than a decade, so. It, um, it had a budget of $3 million and only made $19 million, uh, $19.5 million, 
which that's still really good considering the budget. a decent return on investment. Yeah. It kind of surprises me that they did this one with such a small budget because I feel like it has some of the, some like really good set pieces. Yeah. They, uh, we watched some extras again, we've got the screen factory box set. And so we watched some extras and basically the whole crew was just so excited to make this like a new entry in the franchise, make it special, breathe new life into it. They were all really, really into it. The special effects team got super excited about everything they were doing. A lot of the cast had to do a lot of their own stunts, but you know, it it didn't have, there weren't a ton of issues with people getting hurt or anything like that happening. So thank God for that. Yeah. They had some lucky breaks. We we hear about cursed movies. I think this movie in that way was kind of a blessed. Yeah. It was a blessed movie. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, let's, um, let's go ahead and get into the cast and crew. Um, so yeah. Directed by Tom McCoughlin. Um, I don't know what else he's done. The only thing that I know that you and I have watched is he did a segment on that. Um, it's that Shutter exclusive um, about where they go into the movie theater. and. Oh, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Do you remember the segment where it's like the kid that wakes up in the hospital? Vaguely. I think this is the guy that did that. Um, well, he directed one of the segments in that movie. Okay. Um, I don't really know what else he's done, though. So, But I like him. I don't know. I feel like we should check out some more of his stuff after this. Yeah. Um, Tommy is played by Tom Matthews. Couldn't get the last guy that played Tommy because he turned down the role, so they tried to find somebody that looked kind of like last Tommy, and they kind of did an okay-ish job. It's like a if that Tommy fused with Woody Harrelson. <laughs> Um, yeah, I could tell it wasn't the same actor, but I think that's more in the mannerisms than anything. And yeah. I kind of just excuse that as some time had happened since the last movie and he was doesn't really he, he'd had specify. yeah, it doesn't specify it. I, I just kind of assumed he'd had some sort of a breakthrough in his recovery process and that's why his behavior was different. That's the headcanon I gave myself anyway to kind of look over it. And it also like I wonder how it would be watching it back to back. It's been about a month since we watched the fifth one. Yeah. So I wonder just, you know, because he did that whole marathon session and went into writing this i wonder how different it would be yeah you know it would be interesting to like do a double feature just to see the difference um i like i mean do the whole tommy jarvis trilogy yeah yeah he's only in three of them apparently he's the only recurring character except for i guess the one girl in one and two um even though she didn't really make it back because she had that whole stalker issue um the the thing that i got from this though is um because the guy that he has in the truck with him at the beginning is also from the institution. I thought that they broke out. That's what the sheriff made it sound like. Yeah. Happens. So, I don't know. I don't think he... I think he wasn't in there too long. Definitely did not make any progress. Um, but moving on. Was, he was just different from the fifth one. He yeah. was more talkative, more... Um, less reactive... Yeah, you know, you're right. Because I forgot he barely spoke in the yeah. fifth one. Yeah, he kind of talks a lot in this one. Yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Jennifer Cook plays Megan. The It's either Megan or Megan or Megan. 
they pronounced it three different ways throughout, and I think it just depended on who was reading the line. Okay, well, let's just kind of I'm going to call her Megan. Uh, Megan. Okay, I'll, I'll alternate as we talk Megan. throughout the movie. Megan. Megan. <laughs> David Kagan. Oh, isn't that kind of... No, that's not his name. I was thinking of the guy that he plays in the skits. No, um... Oh, fuck. What is this character's name? Ah, don't worry about it. We'll cut this. Um, David Kagan plays Sheriff Garris, Megan's mom. Megan Megan. Mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, David Kagan plays Sheriff Garris, Megan's dad. Wow. Okay. That's a mouthful of a sentence, though. I know I laughed, but that's like... Even listening to it took my brain David a little bit. David Kagan, Sheriff Garris, Megan Mon. Oh, I did it again. <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with me? Uh, yeah, he, okay, the sheriff is Megan Stead. And then we have Jason, played by CJ Graham, who apparently was a Marine. Um, I don't know, he kind of brought in that Army-like. No. No? Marine is different from Army. Military is the word you're looking mm, for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Military, yeah. He, he was very militant. There you go. Yeah. But that's all I've got for the cast and crew because <laughs> I think that those are pretty much the only people you really have to keep track of in this movie. They're the main characters. Everybody else is kind of just there, fodder, you know, side characters, whatever. But yeah. What do you rate this movie? I'm waffling between two different scores, so I'm going to go in the median and say 7.5. <laughs> I was thinking 8, too. So, yeah. <laughs> All right, so we got 7.75 as our average score. I Okay, so I with these movies, I like to write down my list of pros and cons for it. Yeah. Um, This is less about the movie and more about whoever did the closed captioning for it, but the closed captionist had an excellent sense of humor as well because some of the highlights are dog chomping, bubbling, and gun bangs. Gun bangs. Gun bangs. (laughs) (laughs) I really liked the closed captioning in this movie. But the, the movie as a whole had a lot of really good funny moments and they didn't feel out of place. You know, sometimes... A movie will be like, okay, we're going to interject some humor, but it feels inorganic. Yeah. I think the moments that happen are just really, they feel, they don't disrupt the flow of the movie. It's enough that you're like, okay, it's a little wink and a nod to yeah. to horror fans that also, you know, like that levity. And fun fact, Kevin Williamson, the writer of Scream, actually said that uh, this movie was one of his uh, influencing movies in writing that script. You know how that came, like how that information came to be was because they originally went to Tom to direct Scream. Hmm. Yeah. And he, uh, I don't know if he passed on it. I don't know why he would pass on directing Scream. But yeah, it eventually went to Wes Craven. Or I don't know if he passed on it or if he was at least approached. And then they're eventually like, oh, we got Wes Craven on? Okay, fuck everybody else. Which, (laughs) understandable at that point. Yeah. Uh, This movie also had a lot of generally smart characters. You know, it wasn't just one person going around being like, this is a thing. Like, there were so many people that were like, no, that like, it felt like a believable 
balance between smart and stupid. Yeah. Just like in real life. There's always at least, there's more than one person as a voice of reason in most situations with this many characters. Yeah. Um, I, the, it was a competent Jason Voorhees. He had a little bit of a personality. He also had a little bit of a sense of humor and a sense of menacing. I think this is an underrated Jason. Yeah. This is one that you don't get a lot of people talking about, but I really liked him. I just feel like this movie as a whole doesn't get talked about enough. Like, yeah. re-watching it, I'm like, why do more people not talk about Jason Lives? Like, yeah, look. I, and also, I, I'm going to say this. You know who's coming up next. Yeah. I feel like he just kind of, uh, you know, he, he fell in the shadow. This one did? Just, yeah. yeah. Well, it's the the Friday that got the least amount of money. It didn't get good reviews from critics because it's kind of a given at this point, which is kind of weird because, I mean, if you actually paid attention to this one, I think that you would, you know, at least appreciate what it was going for. But, uh, yeah. It's just kind of, I don't know, bad break. I know that the director, by a lot of the people in the horror community, at least he's respected for this one. Um, I don't know about, like I said before, his other stuff, though. I don't know if he's like uh, highly We we need to check out his filmography because I got a lot of respect for this dude. After watching the movie and then after watching like all of the extras with him. Yeah, he's smart. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I like that he added children to the camp, finally. I think the only time we've really seen kids at the camp was, like, that opening scene in the first one. And that's it. Yeah, you know, I think you're right. So I like that he brought that element in there. And I like that we've officially added the occult, mystical, whatever element of it. Because that opens up a lot more with what they can do. And it explains a lot of his strength. And I just think it was a necessary step to go. It kind of gives, it doesn't, you don't have to leave the endings so like ambiguous, like, oh, is he dead? But not really. Like at this point, it's like, well, we know he can be resurrected. So yeah, he's a zombie now. Yeah. Like it doesn't matter. I think the things that I really wish were just a little bit different. There were a couple of characters that were added in purely as cannon fodder. Yeah. They didn't fit too much into the storyline as a whole. And I'm always a little bit peeved by that. Yeah. If they're not adding anything to the plot other than bodies. And then I wish that the kids had been utilized just a little bit more. I think it was great seeing them. They had some important parts in the movie. I would have liked them integrated a little bit more fully, but I also understand that there's constraints with using child actors. Yeah. And especially with their budget and the fact that they don't have stunt actors. And, you know, I I was also... I'm of two minds about it because, like, I I don't want to see jason like he kills kids right because the counselors let's be real are are children they're older children but they're children camp counselors are young i think he makes a distinction between the yeah. two because yeah and you don't want to see him slaughter little nancy that you know yeah has her tiny little red converse and you know what i mean like you you don't want to see that but then i also think because last night you know, we watched the burning, and they didn't hesitate to kill some fucking kids there. No. Um, you think about sleepaway camp; they didn't hesitate to kill the small children in that movie either. And those were both right around this era. They're both campground movies. Yeah. So it's kind of competing with that. 
but I think it's, you know, I, I'm of two minds of it where I, I wish that, you know, he added the kids to raise the stakes, but then nothing really comes of it. I, I'm, but I'm also glad that this is the distinction that Friday the 13th isn't going to take. You know what I mean? He made a point. Uh, I was reading online that he, I mean, he brought him in to like raise the stakes, but he like wrote in that Jason deliberately doesn't kill the kids because of the trauma that he experienced as a child himself. So he makes the distinction because and I anybody like- kills, all the counselors are over 18. So they're like technically adults. And I feel like if I wish he hadn't been scared away by the cops when they come in, um, because, you know, he's standing over Nancy at that one point, and she's praying, and she's obviously scared shitless. Yeah. And what scares him away is hearing the cops pull up. And I wish it had just shown him choosing to walk away instead. You know what I mean? Because there was a moment earlier in the film where he walks away from Liz Beth, and you think it, like, for a minute, I was like, oh, cool, does he respect her that she's not a fucking moron? Like, is he just going to let her live? But he doesn't. So I thought it would have been a nice um, parallel to that where he sees this small child and has this moment where he's like, no, I'm not going to do to her what's been done to me. I think he just still enjoys creeping them out, though. Because you don't do what he did and not think that you're... <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, he's not killer, like, killing kids type of fucked up, but he's, you know, he still gets some entertainment out of fucking with them. It's, yeah. you know, it's, that's a, that's an okay line for a horror movie to take, I think. I'm, I'm just okay saying, with- like, right around this time is when those other movies came out, so it was it's kind of interesting to see where that line in the sand was drawn. Yeah. Okay. Well, you want to get into it now? Yes, but first I want to talk about the trailers because we watched them. So the TV spots felt more like traditional trailers and the trailer felt like a teaser trailer, but it went on for two goddamn minutes. It was just like this pan in to Jason's tombstone for like a minute and a half and then lightning hits it and then it's like Friday the 13th. Jason lives. And I'm like, what the... If I went to a movie theater... Because you know, you know I fucking love trailers. I am not one of those that's like, oh, we've got plenty of time because, you know, the trailers last for 25 minutes. No, give me 25 minutes of fucking trailers. I love it. Uh, <laughs> I would be so mad to be sitting there and it's just like no, two no, no. minutes of that. You have to think about the context of the situation here because the previous movie... Like, Jason's been dead for two movies now. So, uh, I can imagine the scenario here is somebody's watching, you know, go into the movies, and then they see this, they don't know what they're watching. It takes a while, it's like a slow zoom into the tombstone, and then you, like, start hearing the ch 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 you know. So, you kind of know, oh, we're getting another Friday the 13th. And then they, like, spring on you, oh, Jason's back. So, they're, I don't know, it's kind of, I can see it as kind of like a, you know, a hype type I'm event. I'm fine with it as a teaser trailer. Yeah, but that's not what I'm as a theatrical trailer. The well, TV spots felt like more felt more like theatrical trailers to me, honestly. I don't know. I think I'd be okay with it. Because it doesn't t- give anything the TV away. Spots, well, the TV spots really didn't give anything away either. It just shows a bunch of people running, screaming, having weapons thrown at them, which is what you should be expecting from a Friday the 13th movie. And it definitely would signal to me that Jason's back, back, back. You know what I mean? Yeah, but 
And if you still I'm get getting... that like lightning flash on the tombstone too. So you're like, yeah. ooh, spooky. Um. <laughs> I I don't mind stuff like that because I like going in as fresh as possible. So if I'm getting a teaser trailer like that, and like, oh, Jason's back. Okay, cool. I'm in. I don't need to know anything else. I just want to, you know, watch the next movie and be surprised. And that's what that trailer would do. Yeah. Well, speaking of, the movie starts off, there's fog, a full moon, dog chomping. <laughs> Tommy and Alan drove to destroy Jason's body. And I'm going to tell you all right now, I we listen with closed captions on. Um, and I picked up a lot of names from the closed captions. I don't know if they're ever fully said out loud. So I don't know if Alan was ever officially named in any way other than on the script and therefore in the closed captions. Yeah, so, I mean. But his name is Alan. Yeah. And he, uh, no offense to the actor, but he overacts this a little bit. Uh, he, he's, you know, broken out with Tommy, possibly. I'm pretty sure that's what's happened. And he's freaking out because Tommy's like, we need to, I need to see his body. I need to make sure Jason's in hell foreshadowing uh <laughs> unintentional foreshadowing yeah. <laughs> and you know alan's like i just don't think this is a good idea and he does a lot of like arm crossing with his fists up in his elbows and it's very animated yeah, he's very animated um i just thought this was also kind of a nice parallel to part five which starts off with the cemetery scene and then you know uh tommy wakes up in the van so i think it's kind of a nice like parallel moment to that or callback or whatever the correct term is for it. I think it would have been funny if we went back to, uh, fuck, what's his name? The kid that played him, Corey Feldman. I think it would be funny if we went back to Corey Feldman's Tommy, like <laughs> you just don't even address it at this point. <laughs> He's like driving the truck. He's like, ah, I've been in the institution. <laughs> Again, I think pick, putting Corey Feldman into all of these scenarios is so much funnier. <laughs> yeah. Nothing will beat imagining him kicking the shit out of that one kid in part five, but, you know, all of this. Ew. Actually, no, he makes out with the one camp counselor. That's gross to think about with Corey Feldman. That is gross to think about, but let's just write that part out. We'll cut okay. that part. Okay. Everything else is fine. Um, so they get to, I, like, my handwriting is shit. You know, people talk about the problem with technology is you've got autocorrect, so people don't know how to spell. I think what really suffers is penmanship. Yeah. Well, okay, um, I'll save you here. They make it to the <laughs> graveyard, and they find Jason's tombstone, which, surprisingly, Jason has a tombstone. We'll get to that in a little bit later uh, at the end of the episode that explains why he actually does have a tombstone in case you're yes. wondering. Like yeah, because we I, yeah, I was very upset about that in part five. If you listened and remembered that because who paid for the tombstone? Who, play, who paid for the plot? Who buried him with his mask? Because all of those were things in part five, but then it's a dream. So you can, you know, write that off. But now this is actually canon. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? So, yep, he's got a tombstone. Um, and they decide to dig Jason up just to have some kind of verification that Jason is actually buried and dead. So, Tommy... Listen to that, East Kentucky. 
Buried and dead. Buried and dead. That's right. <laughs> so Tommy opens up the casket, and there we go. We got. I feel like casket is too nice a term for what. Like whoever paid for the plot and the tombstone did not spring for a nicer casket. Well, and honestly, so um, that that's a big plot point in Pet Cemetery. I can't remember if it's in the movies, but it is in the book. Like talking about all the steps that go towards burying a casket. Yeah. Is very uh it's very intense and it's not something you can just easily bust into like this. He was in a wood box. That's part of the reason I like I understand the symbolism of wanting a cemetery graveyard if that's your jam. I'm not judging you about it at all. But that's why I want to be a tree when I die. I wanna be one of those little pod urn things. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. I mean it's kinda I mean, just seeing what Jason looks like kind of makes me feel that way. <laughs> yeah, and the special effects team they actually like read pathology books to make sure that they got the looks right for um for him in the coffin and then even for his hand where he'd gotten it like chopped in half yeah in they paid four. attention yeah he he put a lot of work into it i was actually really pleasantly happy with most of the effects there's some stuff with blood i'm not gonna go into it too much on this one because it's mostly good so okay but yeah i um i don't know just like the how like badly he had to decompose. I don't know how long it had been since Tommy. Well, he's an adult now, so I guess it's been a long time. But yeah, he's fucked up. Yeah, he's gross. Um, Tommy decides he's not done there. He's going to go and actually stab Jason with a post from yeah, the like gate. He, yeah, he rips like a bar off the gate and like spears him through it and then like walks away to go get some gasoline and then the lightning hits and I'm just sitting here like, you dumb motherfucker. Like, yeah. Now, I liked how in the, uh, the extras, the director mentioned that he kind of did this to make it like a classic monster movie because that's kind of what I was thinking oh, when yeah. I was watching this because... It, I mean, it's almost Frankenstein-like. Yeah, well, the and then later on, and I'm going to talk about this later, too, because I love the use of music in this uh, movie, both diegetic and non-diegetic. <laughs> um, <laughs> but there's a point where uh, somebody is... Uh, Basically, the radio is playing this song, Young Frankenstein, and it was like, it felt very, very intentional, which parts of the lyrics got highlighted during it. And, you know, especially the whole, um, you know, like you said, the whole callback to a traditional monster movie. And you think about Frankenstein's monster. Yes, it's Frankenstein's monster not Frankenstein. Yes, I am that person. Put some respect on Mary Shelley's goddamn name. Thank you. Or Frankenstein's. No, Frankenstein's an asshole. That's the whole point of the book. But respect it. No, respect Mary Shelley. Stand off. Whoa, <laughs> Jesus. Stand off over. I think I made my point. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, Jason comes back to life, and he, like, adjusts for about 10 seconds. He's like, was dead. Not dead. Do have a spear in me. Okay. And he grabs Alan, and Alan's like, no! And he runs away. And, mm, uh... Yeah. Wait, no, no. He, grabs, uh, he grabs Tommy. Oh, he grabs Tommy. Tommy runs away. No, Alan still runs away. It's still Alan running Alan away. Alan runs away to go get... 
a two by four or something. It's and a then, shovel. Oh yeah, shovel. And then he like, which I don't know why he had to run so far to get a shovel because they were literally just digging up the gravesite. So. Yeah. He responded with flight, and then he's like, "No, I got to fight." And then he, yeah, he did the he, thing where you um, you announce your attack, your sneak attack, which is always a terrible idea because you're running up to somebody with their back turned, and you're going, "Nah." <laughs> Like, they're going to, well, it doesn't matter what Jason, he doesn't flinch. He just gets hit and it breaks over him. But. Yeah, and then he turns around and punches through Alan's body. And they don't show it in super close detail. You can tell he grabbed his heart, probably, the extended version, before it was cut down for ratings. Like, you see the heart beat for a couple beats. Mm-hmm. It's gross and gnarly and really awesome and the effects team put so much love into this and they just got fucking shit on by a bunch of middle-aged moms and dads and like i don't think of the children don't let your children go to this fucking movie if you don't want them to see it yeah the director mentioned at this point that he intentionally did this like revive jason like this um in a ridiculous way in order to be able to pull off kills like this at this point because he wanted it to be over the top because said once you get to the point you believe like you were buying into jason coming back to life from the lightning bolt striking him you shouldn't be able to you know have a hard time processing there's so much suspension of disbelief in the first half of the franchise and i that's why one of the marks in this in favor of this movie for me is that it does bring in this occult element it is important and i'm saying occult very specifically because tommy reads a book on occult practices later on so that's the canon that they're going with with this yeah um but yeah he uh after he punches through him after he punches through him tommy gets back in his truck and drives off and jason gets his old hockey mask that he had buried with him and then we get like it felt very James Bond to me. It the was way they pulled. James okay, Bond, yeah. I was gonna say the way they pulled in the title card because it like zooms in on Jason's eye, and then he like is walking through his own pupil. Which with James Bond, it's like um, a gun. Yeah. But I was just like, is this James Bond? Like, yeah, it's intentional. This is another point. <laughs> I don't understand why they did this. I guess they're trying to like definitely make it like, hey, we're having fun with this one. You know, just expect just, a fun just time. Just run the with it. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so Tommy runs to the police station. Jesus fucking Christ. Okay. I know I call out asshole, overly hostile cops in horror movies all the time because it's basically a trope at this point. But fucking hell, the sheriff and the deputy in this movie are probably the most asshole of any that I've seen because Tommy runs into the police station and the sheriff immediately pulls a gun on him. <laughs> yeah. Like, you're in the police station, bro. Calm down a little. Yeah. People do this all the time. This isn't yes. that unusual. You're, you're supposed, supposed to, to be there to help. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. And he, like, he doesn't calm down for the rest of the... The most calm he gets is when he gets to the camp near the end and sees all the small children. He goes, oh, people I do care about. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about that when we get to it but yeah so the cop is just immediately hostile and Tommy's like no you don't understand Jason's alive he's like didn't you bust out of that halfway home um, not too long ago and he's like don't worry about it Jason's alive I was trying to kill him again and uh, he's like listen 
I, I don't have time to deal with this. I'm going to drop you off at the county line. And then he, Tommy, busts a glass case and steals a rifle, at which point the deputy comes in and takes him down and they put him in a jail cell. At that point, I understand locking him up. because I do get that, yeah. yes. He was like, you know, he was actively like grabbing a weapon and seemed like he was going to potentially... He was unhinged. They didn't yeah. hurt him in the process of putting him in the jail cell. Uh, it's not the best de-escalation technique, but at least they didn't pull more guns on him. Yeah, well, considering how this whole thing started, he's lucky he didn't get blasted right yes. there. Yes, yes, really. Um, while he's getting put in the jail cell, though, I just need to point out, it's some really bad ADR. Go back, rewatch it. It was uh, distracting to me in the moment. ADR. Um, I forget what it stands for, like audio digital replacement or something. Oh, were they yeah. like dub it in afterwards? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. Like we watched the burning last night and uh, when Karen is like walking naked through the woods and she's like, hey, oh, guys, where are my clothes? Because they couldn't hide the um, voice pack on her, the mic pack. Isn't that what boom mics are for? Be able to like pick that stuff up? I don't know. I think so. They probably had too much um, noise from her like crunching through the woods. Too crunchy. Crunch. Anyway, so we've discovered that Camp Crystal Lake is, or Crystal Lake, the town and county and camp, it's all just now called Forest Green. Yeah. Um, They've changed the name of this place so many times throughout the series. They act as if that's actually going to actively do anything, but never does. Again, I'm going to draw another parallel to the Sleepaway Camp series. Yeah. Because it goes Arrowway Camp, Rolling Hills, New Horizons. Oh, yeah, they do that. I don't know what it is in the fourth one because we've only seen it the one time because it's impossible to find anywhere. I think New Horizons is the third one. Yeah, I said the fourth one. Oh, yeah, the fourth one. I can't remember what that one is. All I remember about the fourth one is your butt stinks. Yes, I remember that now, too. <laughs> but anyway, uh, we see... Darren and Lizbeth driving in a car. They're supposed to be head counselors going to the campgrounds. They're lost. Their car is dangerously packed through. Like, they can't see out their rear view. I'm not going to judge. I've been there driving back from uh, college at the end of the semester. <laughs> yeah, I've been there before, too. Um, But, yeah, they see Jason on the road and Lizbeth, who was actually played by the director's wife, Nancy mm -hmm. McCaughlin. Um, who, you know, always laughed at the people not being suspicious enough right away. He gave her this wonderful line of, I've seen enough horror movies to know not to trust the weirdo in the mask. Yeah. I Which, like that. yes, it was great. And that's what I'm talking about. Examples of competent characters. Yeah. Well, you know, and I'm even going to say Tommy was competent. It was his fucking fault that Jason's back alive. But he immediately, he's like, I fucked up. He said that when he got to the police station, he's like, I fucked up. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they try and back up. They get stuck in some mud. And then Darren, Darren's the other half of this equation because you do have to expect people to be stupid too. Everybody can't be super uh, super competent because that's not realistic. I don't think he had a bad idea for a normal person. The idea to just keep driving at them and then they'll move out of the way eventually isn't a bad idea. And neither is getting out of the car and pointing a gun at them because he's just a bad shot, really. Because when they drive up to him, and Jason refuses to move. He gets out. He pulls called out a their gun. he called their bluff though. Yeah, but he would have allowed it to happen anyways because that's kind of what he does all 
all the time, especially now that he's like a zombie. He doesn't give a shit. But he, um, the guy gets out of the car and he has a gun. And, um, oh yeah, also before that, Jason stabs her front tire. Yeah. And so she's like, she's like, we're just going to fucking reverse all the way, which I don't know how she thought that was going to work when they just got stuck in the mud, but whatever. Gas it, man. I don't know. But yeah, this, this guy's just a bad shot because he um, tries to shoot Jason two times at point blank range and straight up misses him. I don't know how he does it. He probably doesn't have the scope that that cool cop has later on. It's, most people just aren't good shots. But like, when you're that close, you there shouldn't be an excuse. I, you, you People are bad shots. Most people, most gun owners, unless they're actively practicing aren't going to be great shots. And even then practicing is different from being in an actual real life situation where your adrenaline's high, your heartbeat is all over the place. Your breathing is all over the place. Yeah, it's I a very different scenario. I get that if you're, if there's some distance between you, but these two are like standing like two feet apart from each other and you can extend your arms at least, you know, a couple of feet and it should just be automatic, but nope. Nope. But, uh, he gets, he gets hit with the, the spear thing thing made from the gate jason's just been carrying it around with him um and then he throws it at the windshield at which point lizbeth dives to the side and what was supposed to happen was it was just supposed to kind of hit her seat but because what cj um the actor playing um jason he's a trained marine and uh his training just kicked in and he he kept tracking nancy mclaughlin yeah if you watch the scene again like this the spear goes through the windshield and then it follows her to the side as she's diving out which again blessed movie she didn't get hurt at all it made for a cool shot but can you yeah. like imagine if he's like what what's the like the aftermath or something like that he's like oh my bad like what the <laughs> fuck did you think dude like you have an actual spear and you're ramming it through a windshield at an actual person. Like, come on, like a little bit of common sense. But I don't know. He's got that like that training drilled in his head, I guess. He's a method actor. Yeah, he's actually trying to kill these people. <laughs> he's just really bad at it. Yeah. Thankfully. Um, but yeah, she crawls through like the world's deepest puddle. And um, they had to reshoot this so many times, they said, because she kept getting mud in her mouth and she said it was like freezing and just terrible. And uh, she's like trying to offer him money, like her one last hope. She was like, maybe he just wants money, which that that's definitely a last ditch effort because somebody that looks like that, he's not after money. Yeah, um, definitely not. But he like disappears for a second. And for a second, I was like, oh, maybe Jason appreciates her competence. And then I actually did jump when he, like, appeared behind yeah. her. Yeah, we got a brand new couch, so uh, we got to be all nice and cuddly watching this movie. So Travis was able to pick up on every single time I jumped during the movie. It was nice. <laughs> uh, it was nice, like, getting to watch you kind of experience this for the first time. Yeah. And kind of knowing what happens. I like that scene, though, because where that shot, that kill, where he just, like, lands right on top of her. Stabs down on her. It's pretty nice. Kills in this movie are really good. Yeah, I they think. are. So the rest of the counselors show up at the police department. And because uh, Megan, uh, her dad, is the sheriff. And she's like, hey, we're supposed to have these two head counselors. We've got a busload of kids showing up soon. We don't know where they are. Where's the director of the fucking camp? I don't know. 
we're just apparently not going to talk about that in this one. Um, so they're like, we, we need these two other counselors, which there's like, what, 30, 40 kids or something? It's, it's a, a lot. lot it's kids. a lot. It's for, an entire school bus full yeah. of kids. And the sheriff is like, my deputy has better things to do than look around for lost counselors. And I'm like, does he though? Because all you're doing is harassing Tommy Jarvis. What is that? What his better thing to do is? Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's trying to get them to just, like, go set up at the camp. He's like, they're just lost. They'll show up eventually. And then Tommy is like, no, Jason Voorhees is alive. And he's going to kill you. And then he's going to kill me. Oh, oh my, my God. God. <laughs> didn't know where you were going with that at first, but I picked it up. <laughs> I, I didn't know where I was going with it either. It just happened. Um, but then the sheriff, like... <laughs> The sheriff's like, I've had enough trouble out of you. And I'm like, okay. Like, yeah, you had a scuffle. I understand your frustration. I'm just, I'm taking you all on, on the ride I had watching the sheriff. I was like, you kind of started off as the aggressor in this relationship. But, you know, I understand why you put him in a jail. And I understand why he's a pain in the ass for you right now. Chill. Tone it down a little bit. It's okay. But, uh. You know, after six movies, we finally get to see a busload of children show up at the camp and everybody's just doing the best they can. And it's a little bit unbalanced because the three uh, female counselors are taking on the 20 girl ca uh, campers and then Court is by himself with his 20 boy campers, which I don't know why they had to be split up boy girl like this anyway. That's a little bit dumb. Um, yeah, I don't think there. I think the amount of girls outweighed the amount of boys. Still, I just thought it was weird. Um, I, like I don't. The, I don't know what the point of the camp was supposed to be anyway, either. Uh, I don't. I mean, it's just summer camp. Uh, it was just like for a weekend, though. Was it? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they weren't. I don't think they were qualified to like actually be teaching these people things because court is giving his whole presentation on like Native American traditions with landmarks or something. I don't know. I like I, the scene of him just breaking everything down to these kids. And I don't know, like, because um, we're recording straight off of watching it, so I don't have a chance to look up how accurate any of this is. And even if what he's saying is accurate, the way he's saying it is definitely not like respectful of another culture's like practices if you're trying to teach people what the practices were like yeah. he's just and the kids are also very unamused with him i thought yeah. it was funny i don't know i, I just thought the way he's like talking about it uh, he clearly this is not his uh wheelhouse <laughs> he's got his headphones on the whole time too so yeah i mean he said it with enough confidence for me to believe that he knew what he was <laughs> talking about i don't know I thought it was nice. But um, we also go to this like corporate paintball retreat, capture the flag thing. Um, but it's really small because it appears to just be five people. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I, I think that this is another scene. Added this was to literally, it for kills. yeah, it was added for the kills and as a way for Jason to get his machete. Yeah, and not only his machete, I think he gets like that whole tool belt or whatever, whatever from this. Yeah, so they're playing capture the flag. This uh, the female in the group ends up like basically winning. Um, and I wrote uh, crybaby 
Uh, misogynist crybaby sore loser gets killed by Jason. That's how he gets the machete. And he had this little moment because, like, there's blood, you know, pouring down his face and everything. And his face gets slammed into a tree that had, like, a smiley face uh, carved into it, which is yeah. uh, just another little nice bit of uh, humor that they wanted to add into it. Yeah. And then the extended scene, uh, he has the machete still. He's holding it and the arm is still attached and he still has yeah. a grip on it. Yeah, like, yeah that's just, a like, great moment. Yeah. He just, yeah. like, stares at him. He's like... Well, this is a pickle. Um, <laughs> and then he, he finds the um, three of the other people and like a colony of tool usage is Jason's game in this in this movie. Like he uses what it's available, but he makes it all count. And like in this instance, he slices all three heads off in one single swipe with the machete. And you don't get to see it very well in the final product, but the extended scene is really cool. And they put a lot of work into casting the actors' heads, um, creating like this trigger mechanism. So that way, when the dummy bodies, like when it slices through, it hits this trigger that like releases the head, releases the blood, and, like, causes the knees in the dummy bodies to buckle so that way they all fall. And yeah. it's a really cool shot, and you don't get to see it in the final cut of the movie. Which is kind of weird because it's really not overly brutal Yeah, I was expecting it to be, honestly, way worse than it was, and then I was just like, that's it? That's what we're cutting out here? Yeah, you would think... Calm down, 1986. At this point, especially with how much this, uh, how much this series has... I, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Like, it's it's popular. We've seen worse. Yeah, well, it's popular, and especially at this point, you would think that they would be able to have a little bit more of their way when it comes to ratings and, you know, getting things on screen than, you know, an yeah. unknown movie or whatever, unknown director. Nope. I think it was actually just the opposite. Like, they knew they were going to have a harder time. And that's what they said in the behind the scenes. Apparently, like, if they're presented with a Friday the 13th, everybody kind of comes in with, like, a preconceived idea of like oh okay we're getting this bullshit so they just kind of cut it as much as they can i think there was another really funny moment at on this scene um because there's one guy left and he sees jason walking towards him and he shoots him with his paintball gun (laughs) and jason just like looks down at the paintball (laughs) mark on his chest yeah it's a great moment you don't see the other guy's death but you know he dies yeah he just chases him off (laughs) yeah um, then there's like this chase scene um, um, because they they were gonna let Tommy out at the county line and tell him not to come back and um, Tommy immediately like starts driving to the cemetery because he wants them to see that the the gravesite's open and they were absolutely refusing to make any pit stops along the way and so it's it turns into this chase scene. And the music here is really awesome. I just really liked it. It was this cool, like, drum beat, but like a synthesized drum beat. And it's just, it was just fucking cool. I liked the music a lot. We got our man, Harry Man. Harry Man. Harry Man Perdini, he's back. Jesse didn't hear it, but for anybody that, just look it up. Listen to the theme song and then listen to the Shinings theme song. I didn't look up the Shinings before listening to this, but I'm pretty certain. It's not that I didn't hear it. It's that I don't know the Shining's theme song off the I'm top of my head. I'm pretty sure it's the Shining's theme song. I think he ripped it off for this movie. Whatever, you know. But I'm pretty sure it happened. Um, mm-hmm. But they get... Are you going to pull it up right now? Pause it real quick for me. Okay. 
Okay, we paused so I could listen to the Shining theme, and I can see it because they kind of have the same like arpeggic uh, way. The bum 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 bum. So yeah, uh, I see the similarities. I'm not gonna say it's ripped off. Don't do that to my man, Harry Man. Whoa, Manfredini. He's he's like the cornerstone of the um, Friday the Thirteenth franchise. Yeah. As we were I will. This, I will die on that hill. <laughs> he said he he's carrying it on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been saying that since the beginning. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he they get to the gravesite, and the caretaker there had reburied the plot because he like when he showed up to work the next day, it was you know all dug up, and he's like, oh no, I can't have anybody thinking that I'm not taking care of Jason's gravesite. And that's important that he specifically points out Jason's gravesite. I'm going to talk about this now because okay, I feel like this is yeah. a good way to tie it in. So originally, because the caretaker is going to die here in a few minutes, and originally he was supposed to live until the end. And what was going to happen was he was going to be at the gravesite, and a man was going to walk up, and the caretaker was going to be like, "Hello, Mr. Voorhees. I've been taking good care of your wife and son. I'll leave you alone so you can visit with them the way you like to." So Tom McCoughlin's idea was to introduce Jason's father. That was the other new thing that he really wanted to bring to the franchise, but they ended up um, not going in that direction, which I would have liked to see that explore, but I also feel like they opened up this occult element. So they had, they just opened up a whole line of things that they could explore with Jason's character too, you know? Yeah, I would have been okay with it. I mean, just expand the whole lore of the whole series more you know yeah like he mentioned we haven't heard anything about his dad it's always yeah. been his mother the entire time yeah you know? like yeah but to me that also closes up the plot hole of who the fuck paid for their private plots yeah. and tombstones so we know now we know how and why he has you know tombstones and why he actually had a burial yep so, yep yep but um so the caretaker had taken good care of the uh gravesite after the fact once he saw it was dug up i feel like he probably should have told the police that there was a grave robber that's a that's a crime um yeah but you know he was just doing his thing i I, and knowing what the ending was supposed to be it sounds like mr Voorhees was supposed to be fairly scary so i can see why he wanted to maybe not go that route um it's amazing how much extras clear up questions that you have about a movie it's kind of nice yeah (laughs) um but yeah, so the cops, they pull a gun on Tommy, and one of the cops has a laser sight on his police-issue gun, and I feel like that's not allowed. I feel like that's not a thing. I don't know. They, I don't know when it started happening, but, I mean, today, the police is pretty heavily militarized, you know? They yeah. have access to all kinds of shit. I know. I just, I was like, damn, dude, calm the fuck I down. I thought it was a bit over the top myself. Yeah, but, like, you know. Jesus. And he was like, well, he's just been dying to use his laser sight. I'm like, dude, this is not a sport. Like, this is yeah. not, yeah. Um, Shoot some cans, dude. Yeah. But, yeah, so they uh, take him back to jail yet again. And then the caretaker said, what do you think? I am some kind of fart head. Yeah, I just like the term "fart head," so I had to throw that line in there. They had "fart head" again in the yeah in, in the, the storyboard final, for yeah, the, the, yeah the, uh, the cut ending. Yeah, good attention to detail there. Yes, um, so 
we see uh oh no they didn't take him back to jail they took him to the county line again Mm-hmm. And he's being overdramatic about Tom- Tommy is a pain in the ass. I'm not saying he's not. I'm not saying he hasn't caused trouble. But to say, um, if I had my way, you'd be wearing your balls as earrings. Like, dude, <laughs> calm the fuck down a little. These cops are very, very aggressive. Yes. So I would want to get out of there. Unnecessarily hostile. The thing about Tommy in this movie that I don't really understand is that he continues to try and go to the cops for assistance for this the entire time, even though from the immediate beginning, they made it very clear that they aren't interested and they don't believe him. So I don't understand why he keeps trying to do that. And other than them just being unnecessarily hostile, I also have to point out that they think that he escaped from this halfway house. And I don't know why they haven't even made an attempt to contact yeah them to be like hey if you're missing a resident we know where he is especially considering how the fifth one ended because he may or may not have been a killer at this yeah. point because it's kind of open-ended about if he killed that girl at the end of five or not but, yeah you know whatever yeah the whole thing is just I- Oh, my God. Um, Thinking about that, actually, it's kind of weird that they don't address that. Yeah. If he did a marathon viewing of this and then he kind of chose to leave that out. I wonder if that was, like, you know, producers kind of having input. He had enough loops that he had to try and close. I think he was just like, we're just going to leave that very ambiguous. Yeah, okay. That's kind of how it feels to me. That's Not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying that's the... I don't blame him. Yeah. Yeah. Do what he, you can. He had a lot of logistics to work out as it was. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so uh, we see the drunk caretaker stumbling through the woods. He's lost himself off the path. He finishes his bottle, tosses it behind him, doesn't hear it crash. For a minute, I thought we were going to have, like, an overly comedic gag of it, like, falling back down on top of his head and knocking him out. Yeah. But instead, he, we turn around and we see Jason has caught it. He then breaks the bottle and stab, 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 stab. Yep. It's kind of cool. Jason has a whole arsenal in this movie. He, there's, I don't know how many weapons he has total, but he's yeah. got so, so far, many we've different seen, things. We've seen the bar. We've seen this bottle. We've seen the machete. We're going to see him use his hands. We're going to see him use an RV. We're going to see him, um, you know, try and drown somebody. We're going to see him use a dart. He's We're got gonna, a knife. Yeah, we see a hunting knife. Like, we see so many weapons and that's going to be very important because in a minute they're going to find Darren and Lizbeth's body and Rick's going to say it's Jason Voorhees MO and I out loud said what the fuck is his MO like (laughs) his MO is whatever weapon is readily available to him you can't build a psychological profile off of that well, he I does, mean, you could, but this small town is not building a psychological profile. He, he's killing people in some pretty brutal fashion. So maybe with the killings that they do have or have had in the area, it's usually been guns <laughs> or, you know, just... He busted through the car window, must be Jason. <laughs> it's not people, like, getting chopped, like, their heads chopped off and... Uh, I don't know, their arms ripped off, all kinds of stuff like that. I can maybe understand a little bit now thinking about it <laughs> i just i wanted to know what exactly they were referring to as jason Voorhees mo yeah. yeah um but yeah we see uh uh this couple like this is 
that example of people added just for a body count. So this couple is fucking in the woods. They hear a sound. They try and drive away on the motorcycle. And then they both get stabbed at the same time with the machete. Again, economy of tool usage. Mm -hmm. He's very efficient, this movie. He's got a lot of shit to do. And he doesn't have any time to fuck around with these characters that don't actually get named. He's making up for lost time. Yes. Um, So that's it. That's all you need to know about these characters. They die. They fuck in the woods. I don't know if they ever actually fuck to completion. They I just, think they just yeah. started. They, yeah. Yeah. Um, then we see Sissy and Paula are playing a card game, and it's called Camp Blood. And um, I think me and Travis are going to try and play it. I'm sure there have to be more official rules because we didn't ever get the full explanation for it because Nancy comes in, or this little girl screams that there's a monster, and it's because Nancy has woken up after a nightmare. Because all these kids, they're like, I, I suck at guessing the ages of kids. I'd say they're somewhere between 8 and 12. They're under 10, I Under think. 10? Okay, so we'll dive lower end of my estimate then. Yeah. Yeah, but they, like, are all very worked up. And I, I've only been to one camp, but they're, like, the counselor slept in the cabin with us yeah, in case there I, were issues. It's, yeah, it's strange to have them in their own cabin by themselves at that age. Yeah. And again, there's no director for this camp. Yeah. I don't understand how there's not a director for all of the counselors to be reporting to. Yeah, that's very weird. But I, I would like to, I feel like we could build on the foundation of the game and kind of you know, yeah. work on it. Yeah, it sounds really fun. Yeah. Well, maybe we'll do a mini episode about it. No promises. I'm not trying to overbook us. I'm just saying it might be something fun for us to do. Yeah. Um, then we get to uh, court and I don't even know the other girl's Nikki. name. Nikki. I do think he says it at one point. I mostly caught it from the captions, but at one point she's like, when she's being killed, she's like, yo, Nikki, are you taking a dump? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. It's the same energy as, yo, Spunky, you sniffing ass? <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about <laughs> Never forget about Spunky. Uh, um, but yeah, they're fucking in an RV, and Nikki is like really feeling the song. She's like, just laughs through the end of the song, which, I don't know, she was into it. I I don't know. She's like dancing on yeah, top she, of her, yeah. basically. I don't know. I don't have a penis. So I don't know if it would feel good or not. Uh, from his perspective, he just seemed mostly annoyed. Yeah, he um, did. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, 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 I appreciated the, the creativity and the technique. <laughs> yeah. Um, But yeah, so Jason hates the song that is playing almost as much as Court does and just, you know yanks the cord apart um and then the power goes out in the rv and we learn nikki's stepdad's name because she says it a lot and that horace is going to be pissed because she basically committed grand theft auto um yeah <laughs> and so he like court goes out there and is going to plug it back in um because he's already ejaculated because when the power went out, he's like, I thought the song was over. And she was pissed at him. <laughs> yeah. Again, it was this nice little bit of humor that wasn't over, like, overly in our faces or anything. Yeah. Um, but he goes out there, says that the court is frayed. And again, smart character decision. He goes, hey, we need to get out of here. Something's wrong. 
And she comes, she's like, okay, yeah, let's just go. Like, I'm like, cool. They're, they're doing it. They're doing the thing they're supposed to do. They get in there. He's driving like a maniac. And Nikki's not super smart in this moment because she's just letting herself get thrown around the RV instead of sitting her ass down. It's like Talia when we drive. Oh, my God. She just stands in the back. And anytime we take a turn, she's like flopping all over the place. No, I have to reach back there and try and hold her so she doesn't smash her face into the window. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I was like, I bet Jason's in the bathroom. And then at that moment, Jason popped out because he was in the bathroom. And he pulls Nikki in there and like smashes her face through this wall so hard that you can see her face come out through the end. It reminded me of those little toys, you know, like with all the little pins and you oh, push yeah. into it. Yeah, that's what it made me think of. But realistically in my head, I'm like, wouldn't your nose just like break? You wouldn't have such a perfect image of your nose going through that maybe i don't know but anyway he, he has also found a hunting knife and comes out and stabs court through the skull and the van crashes and they only had one shot to do this because it's a limited budget and they had to reinforce the rv to make sure that it was going to be safe for everybody somebody has to actually and, drive this yeah somebody has to actually has to actually do it um, so it, uh, props to them doing this in one take and keeping everybody safe. Blessed movie. Yeah, exactly. Blessed movie. Yeah, it was a really cool scene. Yeah. And of course, because Jason's a zombie now, like he's just like, I don't fucking care. Yeah, he just bursts out the top of it. Yep. Um, this is the moment where, uh, Rick has found Darren and Lizbeth and calls it in. And, um, you know, Megan has come back to the police department and is trying to get her dad to, like, you know, she's like, we still don't have these head counselors. We've got all these kids here. I kind of don't fully believe that, you know, Jason's a legend. Can we get some sort of assistance? And he's like, fuck you. I need to harass this person that I believe to be mentally ill. Um, yeah, pretty much. And <laughs> she's just I, like, they clearly have a fraught relationship because he's like, chastising her for you know wanting to believe tommy jarvis who he says is a psychopath and you know she answers the phone and is you know saying crude stuff about him um anyway he's like you need to stay here and wait for me while i go check this out and then she's sitting there and i like again it was this nice little bit like she was just sitting there in the uh police department and she's like trying to balance the chair on the back two legs which just yeah. felt real. Like, it just felt like a real thing somebody would do when they're just sitting there and they're kind of bored. It's kind of interesting that they kept that in. Um, yeah. Because it felt like a thing that they were like, okay, just sit there and make it look like you're trying to keep yourself entertained. And that's what she came up with. Yeah. So, but um, Tommy actually ends up calling because, again, he, you he know, really he trusts, yeah, he trusts the police. He wants their help with this. He's kind of stupid for doing this. But. And she's like, hey, so you can't be driving around in your truck. I'll come pick you up. And he's like, no, I don't want to put you in danger. And she's like, fuck you. I'm coming to pick you up. Um, then we go back and we see Sissy hears something outside a window. And she assumes it's Court trying to play a prank on her. So she like pours her beer, what she assumes to be on top of him. But nothing happens like he doesn't like yelp or anything and you can see her kind of like having this moment of like what's happening and then jason grabs her through the window and this is honestly the closest we get to a body being thrown in the window in this movie yeah it doesn't I, happen tradition I, broken yeah i'm a little bit disappointed in that but you know it's a soft reboot i'd consider this movie a soft reboot 
Yeah, kind of. It's the end to the Tommy Jarvis trilogy, but it still feels like a like a reboot of sorts. Yeah, he's uh, he's taking it in his own direction here, so I don't know. I guess it's fine. They brought Jason back to life. They introduced the occult element. Like, it's there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, we again see a really funny sign. It just says question mark speeding question mark. Yeah, I I I don't know if that was like put in there for humor or not. It's not a real sign, I don't think. Uh, I, yeah, no, I don't think it is, but I, I just, I liked it. I like these little subtle moments. Um, so this, at this point, I, I'm kind of confused about what her plan is. They, um, she believes, she believes him that Jason is really back killing yeah, people. Yeah, no, I know, but they, they come across the They come across, roadblock, yeah, the roadblock. And then, she shoves his head down. Yeah, I, what's the point of that? What's she so trying to? that way the cops don't see him. But they're driving, she's driving away. Well, she doesn't want to try and drive past them because part of the purpose of a roadblock is they check cars for um, the people they're looking for. Okay. So. Okay, I didn't know she like had some kind of like plan for that, like because they're not gonna be able to see him because she's like. No, they weren't gonna just let let him go, let her go by. They were gonna check inside the car first to make sure. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, her plan was to just get away. Well. They, and it wasn't ever for him to be able to stop and like. You know, I don't know. I just thought driving away would be fun, but I, I just didn't know what she was going for here. I didn't know she was like, I thought when we were watching this that her plan was to lead them to the cops that she ends up going to, but then it ends up not. No, no. She's just trying to help him do his thing. He needs to gather supplies. He's been reading this book on the occult, and uh, what he's discovered is that to get a revived Jason really dead again, he needs to be back in his original resting place, which is the bottom of Camp Crystal Lake. So his supplies are a bunch of chains and um, a padlock. Been and very, very busy large for rock. one day. Yes, he's he's done a lot. He's a he is also efficient. <laughs> um. So what is it? Yeah, she. Uh, she. What the fuck does this say? Oh. So, yeah, she's. Uh, this is another moment where I really appreciate, because I talked about the young Frankenstein, and that was playing during the RV scene with um, Court driving and Nikki being killed in the bathroom. Yeah. This is another moment where I really appreciate the diegetic part of the soundtrack, because we've got this uh, song playing on the radio, and she's just, like, speeding around in her vehicle trying to get away from the cops, but, of course, she ends up running into her dad, because her dad is waiting right at the camp. Yeah. Um... Nancy wakes up Paula, who's been asleep through Sissy getting killed. She's got a machete. And uh, she's like, I found this. Paula's like, it's a prank! And she takes Nancy back to bed. And she comes back and she's like, oh no, the phone's dead. The whole When she put her, uh, Nancy back to bed, though, I thought it was kind of nice. Because whenever she tucks her in and like, you know, the camera pans back up. Jason is just standing right there, like at the window next to all of them, just watching over. Mm-hmm. Which I thought it was kind of nice during this whole scene about him when he's actually at the campgrounds. I like how they actually give him a presence. Yeah. Because you actually get shots of him just kind of working around. Um, you don't really get to see that a lot in a lot of these types of movies because you just kind of like, you know that they're around, but you never know what they're doing or where they are. But here you kind of, you kind of get the track with them, and it's kind of nice to see how he operates. Yeah. 
And I think it's a lot better to do it that way instead of him, like, kind of playing cat and mouse with people. Yeah. Um, you know, he, he's got that lurking, that sense of watching them and figuring out his plan. And then he goes in and he's just brutal. And I feel like that makes more sense instead of giving them a chance to really fight back. Yeah, I think so, too. Um, they make a reference to authorities from Carpenter. And I wonder if that's just a nod to John Carpenter. I was thinking of that, too. Um, so... They're back at the police station. They've put uh, Tommy in the jail cell again. And then the sheriff gives, like, the least um, sympathetic delivery of Court's death to his daughter that he possibly could have. Yeah. Like, I was just like, dude, that's her friends. Like, this is just kind of an asshole. It made me think of um, the dad and Friday the 13th. Or not Friday the 13th, Nightmare on Elm Street, where he was like, oh, he's she's fucking dead. And she's like, I know that. I was there. I don't think that he wanted to tell her, though. I think she pulled the information out of him. So maybe he had not had a No, he to... was saying that to, like, make her understand that Tommy Jarvis is a psychopath. That was his whole point in saying that to her. No. Anyway. Um, but then when she, like, asks what time he died, it was at the same time that Tommy was with Megan. So... Yeah, we know it's not Tommy. Which yeah, we, we already, which we knew, already that. knew that, yeah. but the characters didn't know that. Yeah. Um. When Paula gets back to her cabin, she sees that the machete is now gone, and then as she's like, "Oh shit, something's happening," uh, she gets stabbed and also halfway thrown through a window. So, so she, yeah, she this dies. is the other half of it. Um, Megan is writing a note to Tommy on her little drawing pad, and I don't know if it's actually cut off in the final cut of the film or if our aspect ratio setting on our TV was just bad. I didn't see what the note said. I don't even know if it was a note. I will think it was just There a was drawing. words. There oh, was there words. words, yeah. Oh. Oh, maybe um, we weren't supposed to know. Yeah, but they're plotting, and they do this whole thing where she throws the book at him, and then he acts like he's going to keep it, and she goes to get it back, and then they make out. So that way, Deputy Rick comes over and tries to break them apart. Side note... In a parallel universe, Deputy Rick moves up north and becomes the uh, deputy director of Sunnyvale Trailer Park. Oh, um, uh, you think he's uh, Jim Wakey? I feel no. I feel like he looks like um Randy. Oh, uh, you think he looks like Randy? Take yeah, off the shirt. Kinda. Take off bit. the shirt. A Give little. him some cheeseburgers. Yeah. <laughs> he he looks a little bit like him. He, he doesn't really put up a fight to get mm-hmm. in. Like, do you, does he actually believe that she's going to shoot him? Uh, I think uh, he's like, I would shoot somebody. So I'm just going to operate under the assumption that she will shoot me also. Maybe. Um, I think also he just doesn't want his new laser sight to get broken. Maybe that too. Because those things are expensive. So they, yeah, basically she steals his gun while he's breaking them up and they force him into the jail cell so that way they can escape. Um, so we see Jason Voorhees this is where he enters the cabin and he's looking down at Nancy and she like is awake because this child doesn't sleep Um, she's got nightmares I'm not blaming her I'm not making fun of her she's just afraid yeah. Um, but she likes her soon now I lay me down to sleep like, she starts doing that and like you can almost see like he's got like this little bit of a head tilt where he's just like Maybe he was thinking something similar when he was drowning. Who yeah, knows? Like, I, don't, I like this scene because it's creepy, but I wonder what his objective was. I think he was just trying to creep the kids out. Well, mission accomplished. Yeah, big time. But then the cops show up. Um, 
this is where like we start getting like a lot of deaths back. Like this movie is just jam-packed with deaths, but it's got like a lot of plot too, so it doesn't feel until we're sitting here like talking about them out loud, it doesn't feel like as many as it is. It doesn't feel like you're getting that fodder. Yeah. You feel like everything is actually meaningful. Yeah, there's a couple that I feel like are extra, but like But they're they're not like out of place or it's not jarring or anything. It all fits well together. Yeah. Um, but like he kills one cop with a dart, which good fucking shot. I thought it was a knife. I thought he threw the knife. No, I think it was a dart because right after, because I was like, what is in his head? It shoots to a shot of the dartboard oh, with uh, one of the red darts missing. Ah, okay. Um, and then he kills another cop with his bare hands after being shot several times. Um, and I appreciated it later when they showed the cops, like, that cop's dead body like it wasn't just blood and brain matter but like he had snot coming out of his nose too maybe maybe yeah. that was just a fluke like or like an accident no like it was no it was a very intentional amount which uh, i appreciated because if your head was burst open and your sinuses would burst open uh, like, yeah, I guess that's true. Snot. Yeah. like i thought it was a nice touch um the sheriff um he sees all of these kids and he sees dead bodies like he finds he finds the counselor's cabin just like Fucking covered in blood. I don't know what Jason did after he killed Paula, but I imagine he like helicoptered her body around the yeah. room. Like it's just splattered. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Um, yeah. And that's when like the cop actually, like the sheriff actually freaks out. I'm not saying his name because I, ke- I kept writing Sheriff Gareth in my notes and I know that's not his name. Gareth. So, yeah. Yeah. I know, and oh. I, like, I don't want to say that loud. I got you, I got you. But that's where he gathers all the kids into a single cabin and tells them to hide under the bed. Not the worst idea, because he can't possibly transport them all. Um, and he's finding dead cops all over the place, so he's yeah. got to do, gotta do something. So not the worst plan ever. And it was a moment where I actually, like, again, I felt like he's been unnecessarily aggressive, and it's kind of taken away from his, like what his duty is supposed to be as the sheriff. But I think this is a moment where he was actually competent. And I think sometimes we get like that, you get into a rut at work, you know, and you're just a little bit grumpy and you're maybe kind of like halfway doing things. Cause it's just like monotonous. And then you have a day where it's like emergencies pop up or you've got to deal with some sort of internal crisis. And it, it kind of like gets you back into thinking mode. Cause it makes your brain be a little bit more creative with how to address a situation. And I think he was kind of having that moment. <laughs> It's getting kind of deep into this character, but you might be right. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, I don't know. That's just kind of where my brain went when I was thinking about it. Um, Where was I at? This is the part where... um, Oh, yeah. So uh, (laughs) I do want to say the kids are like hiding and we see two little boys under the bed and one of them goes, so what were you going to be when you grew up? Yeah, (laughs) I like that. Yeah, it's nice... A little bit more humor injected in there. Yeah. And then the sheriff and Jason are having a battle out in the woods, and he, like, fucking scorpions the sheriff to death. Like, just bends him over backwards. It's brutal. Yeah, which they did that shot by having um, the actor and a stunt person both buried in the ground. Obviously, the actor was, you know, waist down, and the other person was uh, Apparently waist the, up. The fight wasn't script like in the script either. They kind of just, like, did that on the spot. So I think he was just supposed to be Scorpion from the beginning, and then uh, he ended up, he put up a good fight. He, like, yeah. kicked Jason around. He started bashing his head with a rock, which normally that would kill somebody. I think it would still 
I think in theory it's supposed to kill a zombie, but I think he's a special yeah. zombie. We, I don't think his head's supposed to be like abnormally tough because it should bash his head in, but it doesn't. I mean, he's been hit with hatchets in the head before and survived, so. That's true. Um, I think even alive, his head was, his skull was thicker than most. Fair enough. But yeah, so um, May and Megan is going to the kids' cabin to try and take care of all of them, and Tommy's trying to bait Jason out into the lake and... Um, because Jason's about to kill Megan, he starts like throwing insults at him, and I was just like, it was just like intent. Like he was really good at ripping off the insults. He's like maggot face pussy. Yeah. Um, just like. And well, they also have a history. Yeah, they so, do. And yeah. Jason's like, all right, motherfucker, let's do this once and for all. Yeah. And I thought it was nice when they get out there. Also, uh, the whole time he was going Jason in my head, I was saying Jason, 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 heavy rain. Um. So he gets Jason out into the lake and he has like poured gas or whatever onto the water and has lit it on fire, which I thought was meant to be a parallel to the beginning of the movie when he was trying to light Jason's corpse on fire and the match was put out by the rain. Mm, I didn't know what his goal was there. Was it part of like the whole occult thing? I No, I think it was just to like keep him trapped so he couldn't get away. Oh, okay. Um... But yeah, they have this whole big fight and he eventually ends up getting this chain noose around Jason's neck and he gets pulled to the bottom of the lake, which is not very deep, um, by the way, because Jason is very easily able to reach up and grab another person's ankle well, from where he's at. Thinking about it, looking from where they are on the lake from like when they were on the shore, they're not very far out into the A water. A lot of lakes drop pretty steeply. Yeah, though. but maybe this one doesn't. But I'm just like, that can't be more than 12 feet deep. Yeah, it's not very deep. So, but yeah, he's down there and he's, um, yeah, he's still alive because he's pulling Tommy down with him. And um, Tommy eventually passes out and floats up to the top. So all the kids are standing around watching and Megan goes out to get him. And like it shows, it pans around to all of the kids' faces. And there's this one girl that's just like, oh. Oh my, like she's just got her hand, yeah. like one little finger up over her mouth. And she's like, oh dear. Oh my. <laughs> uh, shout out to her. <laughs> yeah. She gets him back to. Well, first oh, she kills yeah. Jason. Yeah. Yeah. Cause Jason grabs her ankle up because it's like 12 feet deep. Yeah. And she like turns on the boat motor and then yeah, uh, the propeller yeah, to tell propeller, her. Or to tell her. To tell her. The tiller. The propeller tiller or whatever the fuck it's called. We're not boat people. It cuts him up. It cuts him up. That was a smart move on her part. Smart. She's smart. She's smart. So, you know, he's. He let go of her. I'm not going to say. I'm. I never want to say Jason's dead in this series because he never. No, he never yeah. dies. But mm. she's able to escape and get back to shore and breathe. Uh, do I don't know resuscitate yeah, uh, Tommy, and all the kids cheer. And then it cuts to Jason down in the water, and then we see he's still awake. You get a yep. zoom in on his eye, and it's still open. And then that's the end. That's the end. And then we're very excited. For part seven. Jesse's very excited for part seven. I'm very excited. Part seven is okay. It's the thing that redeems it is Kane. Yep, I'm excited because we're we're entering the Kane hotter era. We're entering like the cheesy over the top stuff that I live for. If they maintain this right here, I think it would be fine. But uh, (laughs) as they are on as movies, they're not as good. It drops 
quality wise for me. I think it depends on what you're looking for in a movie. Yeah, it probably does. Okay, so after talking about it, Travis, what would you rate the movie? Uh, I would. Um, I think I'm gonna keep it at an eight. I think I'm gonna bump mine up to an eight, actually. Okay, cool. So we're pretty solidly at an eight. Mm, yeah, we bumped up 0.25 average. Um, Talia probably rates this like a four because she uh, scratched on the door like as we were watching the trailers. Yeah. Because we decided to watch the trailer before watching the movie this time because we just felt more true to the real experience. Um, so she scratched on the door and then she went back to the bedroom. She went wild for the first five minutes. She kind of came in there and started. Well, she was barking at our neighbor's dog, I think, maybe. No, she was playing with her toys. Oh. She was uh, waving around uh, Timon. So I think she just didn't buy the whole resuscitation via lightning. I think she was like, "Mm, I'm out. Yeah. Then she slept on the bed the rest of the movie. All right, we don't do dream sequels or what would you change for our Friday the 13th because it's our special series. Yeah. So that means... Who do you relate to? Who do I relate to? Mmm, I... I relate to Sissy because I love the idea of a Camp Blood card game. Okay, I like that too. <laughs> um, I relate to Court. Based purely off of the whole scene of him in the RV, just like driving. He's like, oh, this is amazing. What do you think? Yeah. You taking a dump back there? <laughs> you know? It was just, it was, I liked his energy. Nice. It's was, it was sad to see him go. Um, but we are going to do the review again. Yeah. Yeah. We like, we like doing these uh, arguing with the internet ratings. Yeah. We'll and, dedicate um, full episodes to this occasionally when it's a movie we both like, but you know, we're also yeah. going to do them for every single movie. Yeah. The first half of the Friday the 13th franchise belongs to Travis and the second half is going to belong to me because we're about to seesaw in our opinions. So he is going to read this review to me and I'm going to, um, have to try and justify it, which is going to be hard because I did enjoy this movie a lot more than I thought I would. I think it would have been easier for me with the last movie, but we hadn't started this bit yet. Yeah. Okay, you ready? Yeah. All right. Besides the humor and the technical savvy, the big difference between this film and the five before is that the characters are actually allowed to live long enough for the audience to develop some sort of empathy with them. Some of these teenagers are downright likable, and we don't want to see them get killed. That's a good review. They rated it uh, a two and a half. That's a good review that they rated it a two and a half? They didn't like that the characters were good. Oh. Defend that. I have to defend that? You have to. That's the rule. That's why I chose that one, God. because it's a tough one to defend. Okay. There's there's more in t- to that review, but that's like the quote pulled from it. Okay. Uh, so, I guess... I will say, because the Friday the 13th franchise has largely been one, and you, I'm going to be interested to see you argue against this, because you're very much one that this is a slasher, and you like to see a high body count, and you don't care so much about character development in those types of movies. So I think this franchise is for people like you that want to go in and see blood and guts and gore, and you don't want to spend as much time getting to know characters because they don't matter. So I can see from that perspective why this would be a jarring tonal shift. Yeah, I could see that. Um, But I also can appreciate whenever a slasher movie does have good character development because it kind of adds to i guess the weight of the situation because if somebody does end up getting killed that you 
actually are rooting for, it makes it that much more impactful. And I think it makes these types of movies enjoyable, more enjoyable than what you would expect coming in because you do come in expecting just like pointless killings. You get a couple of those in this because you don't get character development with everybody. But, you know, whenever I saw Court die, I didn't, uh, you know, I enjoyed the kill. I thought it was nice, especially seeing Jason just kind of like go to this little um, weapon belt and pull out a knife and just like stab him right in the head. And then we get the RV kill. It's an amazing kill. But, you know, it killed one of my favorite characters in the movie. But, you know, I appreciate it because I got to experience good characters and good kills all in the same time. Okay. And um, if you like to experience good characters and oh, good wait. kills. Also, guess if that's a user or critic review. That seemed like a critic review. It was very well written. It was. It was TV Guide Magazine. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I spend too, arguably too much time in the IMDb reviewer rating section. That didn't sound like a reviewer. Yeah, most reviewers are like, this is bullshit. Why is this movie? <laughs> Jason stinks. <laughs> um, okay. But if you think we don't stink, uh, follow us. Rate us five stars. If you want to rate us fewer than five stars, do it on Twitter. Just shout, just tweet at us at least Faith Pod. Give us, give us, whatever. Give us, give Travis something to do. He just wants to fight talk people. To us. Just talk to us. Yeah, but um, you know, on Podchaser or Apple Podcasts or whatever you're listening on, give us five stars. And if you want to write in that we suck, but you know you feel obligated to give us five stars, that's fine. Um, if you agree that we should have five stars, just uh, ask if we're taking a dump. We hey, we didn't read... have any pot, uh, porta potty deaths. We didn't have anybody not wiping their butts. That's true. That's another good thing about this movie. It's breaking <laughs> all kinds of yeah. laws in this. Yeah. But, That's yeah. what I'm saying. Soft reboot. Yeah, I guess you're right. Um, yeah. You can yeah. also find us on Instagram. Yeah. Say it. What's your least favorite scary movie pod? No, it's least favorite scary movie podcast. Least favorite scary movie podcast. So yes. I fucked it up. Okay, you fucked it up. I passed it over to you, and then you're the one that fucked it up. Hold on, let me pull it up for sure. Least favorite scary movie. It's not podcast. It doesn't have podcast on it. Uh no. Least favorite scary movie podcast. Check our show notes. Just check our show notes. We say the same thing at the end of every episode. It is there. Least yeah. favorite scary movie podcast. Yeah, just like check our show notes. We've got all of our stuff to follow. It's fine. Um, including our dog's Instagram. It's all good. Um, we'll have July's schedule out before July 1st. Um, we're continuing the yeah, Cabin in the Woods for the yes, for one more we're month. We're continuing Cabin in the Woods for the rest of July. We think we're actually going to do another theme in August, but I don't want to spoil it yet because we need to make sure we've got enough um, movies for yeah. it. Um, that's it. I think that's it, right? I think yeah. it is. Okay, yeah. All right, until next time. Bye. 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 A continuation of our Friday the 13th series. Say that one more time.